Welcome to the Smith and Rowland Show. Let's join our host, Alan Smith and Jeff Rowland. You're fixing to be enthralled, uplifted, and encouraged because you have decided to participate in a show that's known around the world, the Smith and Rowland Show. Now, our featured guest, honored guest, and the most familiar personality on the web, Alan Smith. That brings so, back, man. So, I was just trying to bring us back into reality. Oh, Mr. Mr. I'm, Roland, I'm, I do I'm love your intros. A, I'm fixing to do a teaching on some alternate realities. So it was all well, that I you said, was, bringing uh, us back uh, into reality. Uh, yeah. uh, well, I loved your eloquent <clears throat> words of yes. our intro today. You used a new word in your introduction, yep. mm-hmm. and the new word was fixing. Fixing. I'm fixing. Uh, fixing. That's right. I'm that's fixing. Right. So, and I'll so, challenge I mean, anybody that says that's not a word, I'm going to challenge you right away. That's right. <laughs> All of you English PhDs well, out there. Well, I mean, you keep adding. Is a term. You keep adding to your vocabulary. and uh, Well, yeah. I mean, it's vast. There's no doubt about that. It's, it's a vast, all right. But we got an article today by R.T. Kendall. He's written a book. I think the name of it's Prophetic Responsibility. And it was speaking into the prophetic. You know, we've had all of this going on about the prophetic, especially since the last elections with the prophetic world said that Trump would have two consecutive terms of leading. And of course, we know the second one didn't happen. He's now working on it to see if he can make it happen. But anyway, R.T. Kendall is not talking about Trump, but he is talking about the prophetic and the prophetic movement. And he has written a book about it and bringing some quite a enlightening thoughts and concepts on the prophetic movement. If you'll allow me, I'll read the first paragraph or two. This is out of his article of prophetic responsibility. Many of us claim to speak for God these days, but how many of us really do speak for God? There are a lot of people who claim to have a prophetic gift and give out words of introduction by the Lord told me. There are countless others who would not appear to be prophetic, but nonetheless claim they hear directly from the Lord. Perhaps they do. I do believe God speaks directly to people today. To uphold this premise, there is it is not to add to Scripture. When God spoke to Philip as he did in Acts 8.29 or to Agabus in Acts 11.28, this is not adding to Scripture. Paul posed the possibility of God making things clear to us in a direct manner. Philippians 3.15. Mr. Rowland, what is your thoughts on the concept of the prophetic as we go into prophetic responsibility? I read this article in its totality, and I have no place in this article that I personally can disagree with. I think R.T. Kendall wrote as good an article here on the prophetic as I've ever read. Prophecy is all throughout the scriptures. If you cut prophecy out of the scriptures, you annihilate over half of it. And to deny that God speaks to his people is probably the most insane thing that someone could ever grab a hold of. I'm going to even say, to say that God doesn't speak to us personally would be so short-sighted that you would fall into what is fearful And I'm a dispensationalist, but I would say you kind of fall into, you start falling into what would be considered hyper-dispensationalism if you think that God doesn't speak to an individual in their spirit from God's spirit to their spirit. So I agree with these first two paragraphs. And as he continues to frame this out, 
what he's doing is he's building the case first that God still speaks to his people. He's also building the case of how we need to be responsible when God does speak to us, how we handle it. And there is a responsibility to that. I want to point out something about, because the reason this is coming up, Alan, is because of what you said earlier. We had an election a few years back in the prophetic world. For those that don't know a whole lot about the prophetic world, and there's a lot of people that don't know a lot about the prophetic world, it's odd how that whatever world you're in, that's the consuming factor of your life. And you think that everybody knows about the prophetic world when they don't. But there were a lot of prophecies coming out of the prophetic world that Donald Trump would serve two consecutive terms. I do want to point out that he didn't serve two consecutive terms, but there was also a prophecy given that he would serve two terms, but it wouldn't be consecutive. That prophecy did unfold by Kim Clement, who is with the Lord in heaven, who gave that word of prophecy before Donald Trump was ever elected the first time. So I'm saying that we do need accountability and responsibility to prophetic words. And I do think that we need to be careful how we label the Lord's name to what we're hearing in our spirit. I think there is a measure of responsibility as he goes on to describe later in this article. And we need to kind of continue to read the article here to see. But I want to encourage people from any background, denominationally speaking and doctrinally speaking, the Holy Spirit of God still speaks to the spirit of man. And we need to acknowledge that fact because there's a lot of people who don't believe that today. Well, that's actually even a new, newer concept, you know, the last hundred, several hundred years to start considering that. So in Christianity, in Christendom today, I must say, uh, still over way over the majority of people thinks that God does not yes. speak to an individual today. I will go on to read this next paragraph. The question is, how much are we to share with others when we hear from God? Are we to claim? The Lord told me when we have an impression we feel is from the Holy Spirit. The question is, how many of these words or feelings are to be are really from the Lord? Should it bother us that so many words do not come to pass, which were prefaced by the Lord told me? What do you suppose God in heaven thinks of all this? Well, to answer that last question, I maybe shouldn't. It's not sacrilegious, but bless God's little heart, because can you imagine having us speak for you? I mean, this is, I mean, my <laughs> land. True. Lord yeah. Jesus, you've got a lot of faith. Well, the, the Lord's got a lot of faith. It says, why is this issue important? Why is this particular blog important that he's speaking of here, the prophetic integrity? When a word does not come to pass, which was introduced by the Lord told me so, obviously something has gone wrong. It dishonors the name of the Lord. It brings discredit upon the gift of prophecy. Should we not apologize, Jeff? Surely if the Lord says something, it is going to be exactly right. But why mm -hmm. do people continue using the phrase that the Lord told me when they keep getting it wrong? And yet God does sometimes truly speak to us. If so, should we not attribute such a word to him or say it differently? Is there a right time or saying or the Lord told me so when one has a word they feel is truly for God? Yeah. What's your I, I, you know, I do think that we need to apologize. I think that would be perfectly in order. And I don't understand why the apologizing seems to be so looked down upon by the Christian community to take responsibility and say, you know what? I got this wrong. Why is that such a huge deal to people? Well, they haven't had as much practice at it as me and you, Jeff. Apparently not. Uh, in, Apparently in, defense, not. in defense of everybody else. Apparently not. I look back and I've apologized for a lot of things that I'm, I'm not sure I did. But I can say that apologizing 
is in order when we get it wrong. And I think what R.T. Mm-hmm. Kendall's pointing out here is that there's been times that people have got up and said, thus saith the Lord. And it didn't come All to right. pass. Now, mm-hmm. I'll also say this, and this is going to sound odd, but depending on the word itself, when you say, thus saith the Lord, and it don't come to pass, doesn't necessarily mean that God didn't say it either. That's exactly right. So that has to be considered in terms of what the word is. God put conditions on, for example, the Lord said he promised us at one place that he would forgive our sins and heal our land. But that word is conditional upon if the people of God humble themselves and seek his face and pray. Mm -hmm. So, you know, someone could get up and say, thus saith the Lord. Great revival is coming to America. Well, I can agree with that word. There is always the potential for a revival. And I believe that God would say in heaven, I want to pour out revival on America. However, it's preconditioned by the commands of his word that the people of God seek his face, turn from their wicked ways, repent of their sin, and turn to the Lord. So if the people don't respond to it, is that word violated? Well, not necessarily. But to make a statement like, thus saith the Lord, Donald Trump shall serve two consecutive terms, and he don't serve two consecutive terms, I think an apology is in order yeah, in a yeah. word like that. you know. And I know R.T. Kendall's not just writing this about that. That event has stirred up, I think, some uh, purging in the prophetic community, and it deserves some repentance. It deserves some examination, and it deserves people taking responsibility for it. You know, he draws this out. I wanted to just make a mention of something that he had said earlier in the article where he said, and God still speaks in an audible voice, but it doesn't mean that everybody in the room is going to hear that audible voice. That's right. And I think that needs to be pointed out because I've heard people in the Christian community say, well, I've never heard God speak in an audible voice. Well, that don't mean he doesn't. And he can be speaking audibly to somebody sitting right next to you and you won't hear it. We have evidence of that in Acts chapter nine. Mm-hmm. When the Lord spoke to Paul and everybody around Paul, they didn't hear it, but Paul mm-hmm. did. And so, I mean, I'm saying that when we hear from God, I've experienced this in my lifetime, and I've certainly been guilty of probably sharing what God has spoken to me with others when I should have kept it to myself because it was a word God gave to me. And I think that happens as well. I think we just need to be careful and take responsibility for the word that God does share with us. Well, you know, I've mentioned in times past, Jeff, that in the prophetic, I think that today's prophetic groups, we have a tendency to the prophets or ones that are calling themselves prophets. It's like they're all trying to build a resume of how many prophecies came true that they've told. What I'd like to shed a little light on that about is to be prophetic is also to tell the will of God. It's not predicting future as much as it is telling the will of God is like you said, if my people you know, will humble Mm -hmm. themselves and pray, you know, I'll forgive their sin, heal their land. Well, we can see there that that is the will of God, but it doesn't mean it's going to come to pass is my point. So there's one thing to be prophetic and tell the will of God. And there's another one to do the prophetic thinking you're telling the future, which by the way, has been forbidden for us to do. And uh, so here's my point. Now, to me, a preacher, when he gets up and preaches, my hopes is he's telling the will of God. That's right. Well, that's prophesying. That's prophesying. That's preaching is you're prophesying. And so we can prophesy to each other 
and especially quoting scripture or whatever we're doing, that prophesying is telling somebody what we believe is the will of God in their life mm-hmm. or in our country or whatever. Mm-hmm. But we have this understanding. The will of God does not always happen. It That's was the will right. of God for Adam and Eve not to take that fruit. That's that was exactly. his will, yeah. but it didn't happen. So That's right. my point is to use <clears throat> as a proof text The one reason I think, Jeff, that telling the future was forbidden is because if you could tell, it's just like a lot of the prophets said that Donald Trump was going to have two consecutive terms. Well, if that's what you tell, if future tell that, would you not think there's no need for me going to vote because I already know that Donald Trump's going to serve two terms? Right. So future telling is counterproductive is my point. If Can you imagine, Jeff, if humanity was turned loose with being able to change the future? Because what happens in life, the way God's got this thing set up, is one thing begets another, begets another, begets another. So the truth is, just because you change something bad in the future, if you had the power to do that, it doesn't, what we don't understand, that bad event is what God will use. All things work together for good. To them, yeah. God will use that event that I would change if I could have. Yeah. But God will use it in directing the heart of the individual. Well, so I could change the path, but not change the heart. Yeah, and God's yeah. after changing the heart more than the path. So that's my point. Is I think that one of the bad problems, Jeff, today is the prophetic voices are trying to predict future instead of declaring the will of God. Yeah, I agree. And just in terms of that, and I got to say, you've had a whole lot more experience among those in the prophetic movement than I have. A lot more exposure and experience with them, even personal relationships with them. But I will say this, to those who prophesied that Donald Trump would serve two consecutive terms, I'm not convinced that that wasn't the will of God. I think that it's highly possible and likely that that was the will of God. I think that the people rejected that and possibly rejected that word or somehow Satan subverted that word through the corruption of the people. But I'm not willing to say that that wasn't the will of God. What R.T. Kendall has a, a problem with is saying, thus saith the Lord, he shall serve two consecutive terms. Well, when it's that emphatic and that unconditional, then you're bypassing the very will of God and the heart of God in the freedom of man's choice. And so you're steeped more into a doctrinal era than you are anything else. When you were talking about preaching and it being uh, declaring the will of God, R.T. Kendall goes into that in this article where he talks about six levels of prophecy. And if there's anything that I do maybe take issue with in this, in his six levels of prophecy, though I understand what he's saying, but I might take a little issue with this where he says, Alan, as in a pyramid, starting from the bottom, general exhortation, or that is encouragement as to a congregation. Dr. Michael Eaton calls this low level prophecy, the kind of I'm under six levels of prophecy. It's the next paragraph, next section. Okay. So he's saying that general exhortation, or that is preaching as to a congregation, would be considered low-level prophecy. Though I understand what he's saying there. I do understand. Yeah, I don't agree Uh, with that. I'm not real sure that I agree with that evaluation from Dr. Michael Mm -hmm. E. You know, I do believe that the preaching of the Word of God is declaring forth the will of God, and I do believe that's prophetic. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know that I would call that low-level prophecy, though taking that kind of stance on it does nothing but promote the sensational part of predicting the 
future. Everybody's wanting to receive a word that, hey, you're going to be blessed with, you know, a new car or something, or you're going to have, you're going to be blessed with a great ministry that you're going to win thousands and, and start a mega church. Everybody wants that kind of a prophetic word in their life. That's what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. I'm not real sure that that is what we should be looking for. But the expository preaching of the Word of God is, in fact, I think, the highest level of prophetic utterance because it's that Word of God that transforms a life from one state of being into another. And so I, I take a little issue with that, but in his six levels of prophecy, he names as number six general exhortation. And he goes, he levels that at the bottom of the prophetic list. And then he goes, he continues on. If you what else to, does he say about the general? He also says, whether it's from a hymn, a dream, or even a vision, but such a word needs to be tested. We are not to despise such prophesying, according to 1 Thessalonians 5.20, but all needs mm -hmm. to be tested mm -hmm. in any case. But he goes on down to number five, Jeff, is specific warnings. And he says, certain disciples urge Paul not to go on to Jerusalem, which is true. Luke sides with them. He says, they warned Paul, Acts 21, 4. Agabus similarly warned Paul, saying the Holy Spirit says in Acts 21, 11, and yet Paul refused to heed their warning. Who got it right? Was Paul yeah. wrong to ignore them? Agabus may have been wrong. Paul may have been wrong, but it did not seem to bother Paul in any case, for he went to Jerusalem anyway. Exactly. That's and a can specific I just, warning. Yeah. Can I just say that in the context of Acts 21, I don't believe any of them got it wrong. I mean, what they said was, <laughs> The Holy Spirit said to you, is saying to you, Paul, if you go to Jerusalem, here's what you need to expect. And can I yeah, tell you, yeah. basically what they said is what Paul got. He was That's arrested. Right. He was bound. And That's Paul right. said, okay, I get the warning. I understand the warning, but still the Holy Spirit is leading me to go to Jerusalem. I'm not saying that either one of them, that none of them got it wrong. Mm -hmm. I don't know that you have to. No. You know, they had interest in Paul's welfare. Paul had interest in the welfare of the kingdom. They were two different perspectives. The prophetic warning came. And listen, we can give, I can give a prophetic warning right now that unless America turns back to God, judgment's going to fall. That's well, right. I know that I'm speaking forth the word of God as to a nation. I have confidence right. in the word of God to speak that forth. That's a specific warning to a nation. There's been specific warnings given to me before, Alan. As a matter of fact, I'll just say this. You operate in uh, prophetically in terms of this, and there's been times that you have given me specific warnings. I've watched them come to pass. <laughs> I mean, I do know that God speaks in that fashion. Again, to just to frame this article, R.T. Kendall is warning against attack. He gets on into it later on in the article, but he, he's warning yeah, against yeah. attaching God's name to it, which I firmly agree with. You need to be careful with that. But nonetheless, specific warnings are a part of it. Then he it's goes on. The, with, it's totally part of the prophetic. Yeah, it, it's, is. It's, it is. And then he goes on to describe prophetic preaching. Now, this is a good one. And it There's is preaching and, said, and prophetic preaching. That's good. That's, that's right. Good. Peter said one should speak as if his words were the very words of God or the oracles of God in first Peter chapter right. four, verse 11. This is what I wish would be the case in my own preaching. R.T. Kendall says, he says, my basic style is expository and pastoral, but nothing right. thrills me more than when someone says to me, how did you know I was there today? That is exactly <laughs> right. what I needed. So uh -huh. he says expository preaching can be 
prophetic without the preacher being conscious of this. That's right. That's good. Now I got to tell good. you, if I've ever operated in the prophetic, it's been when I was not conscious of it at all. I, I'll be honest with you. Well, you've done a lot in your preaching. Do what? You've done a lot of it though in your preaching because well, we've heard can, people say this at your preachings. Well, and and let me just say, <laughs> here's what used to frustrate me till I realized it was probably the spirit of God working is when I would preach something and someone would come to me and they got something completely different out of it than what I preached. And I was just sitting there amazed. Oh, how'd you get that? I didn't say that. But the Holy Spirit told them. So uh-huh. I'm saying that if you stand in a spot, God can use you and you be completely ignorant of the fact that God is using you. And thank God he uses us even when we're ignorant or I wouldn't have a hope in the world. <laughs> None uh, of us would. And that's None just the truth. But that has always thrilled me is I've experienced that several times. But then, Alan, when you get to number three in this list, I think this is something that we ought to do many podcasts. Yeah, yeah, Uh, He talks about when we're forced to testify during persecution. And I got to tell you, the prophetic world needs to grab a hold of the the fact that we're living in a world of tribulation right now. And we're living in a time, I've said this many times, this that we live in this paradigm of time is not necessarily crowning day. That Our crowning day lies ahead. That's this right. is cross-bearing day. That's and that's right. what's been set aside for us. He says in this paragraph, Jesus said, when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that's that right. time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through That's you. Amazing. That's and amazing. And I got to tell you, when people are suffering persecution in some way or affliction in some way, the life that they live and the words that they say are extremely prophetic to those around them. I just firmly believe wow. that. I could not agree more. That's the tough one. Yes, it is. That's a tough one. It goes on to say, number two, the non-canonical prophecy is outside of canon. With Nathan, Gad, Elijah, and Elisha are examples of non-canonical prophets. Could there be prophets of this magnitude and stature today? I believe so, he says. Then can they say, the Lord told me. I reply, they should be the most wary of all in saying things like, the Lord says. Why? It is because they will be watched and examined with more, most painfully scrutiny. If they will keep the name of the Lord out, but simply say, I feel I must say this to you, or something like that. They will maintain their integrity, credibility, and anointing. Many a modern prophet could be saved embarrassment had they been more modest in their claims. What do you think about that one, Mr. Big Preacher? I totally agree with it, Alan. I just absolutely (laughs) agree with it. And I'll be honest with you, there's been some times I've been in congregation where somebody says, thus saith the Lord. And when they say that, I just cringe on the inside. I, I I draw but you know, there's been some that I really felt like was the Lord. And I've been in those times too. And, and let me tell you, for somebody that has that kind of anointing, the weight and the responsibility on their life, I do not envy those people at all. So when somebody says, yeah, yeah. boy, I'd like to be a prophet like prophet, boy, you can have it. I'll be honest yeah, with you. That, that is a weight and a burden that I'm not sure that I am equipped to carry. I'm more along the lines of, I feel as though the Lord is leading me uh, to say yeah, this. Yeah, but we, I, we have to allow for, the Lord, God. don't you think we have to allow though for thus, thus saith the Lord? Now, I yes, that absolutely. Oh, that yeah. was what I go. I know one particular man 
in mind that blows the shofar. And he knows when to blow it, Jeff. And I've never tooted one of those horns. And I have had a time that it was a little aggravating to me or frustrating. But I am glad to announce I am not in that time that I have learned to appreciate the blowing of the shofar. And this man does two things. He blows the shofar. And he thus says the Lord, yeah. and he's one of the very few that I can say, I'm not saying he's been a hundred percent, but I will say mm-hmm. I've witnessed with him a lot because a lot of his thus saying the Lord is quoting scripture. Well, and yeah, and, and so, I can, uh, there you go. That's the number one thing that he, that R.T. Kendall goes to in this article. But let me just say Alan, what I mean by, I just draw up when I, it's not that I don't believe that can't happen. I not only believe that can happen, I've experienced it happening just like you've said. But I just I'm drawing up at the weight and the burden and the responsibility that that person has to be under to be able to say, hey, thus saith the Lord. Boy, you're stepping into a position there where you're speaking for God in a way that, man, you better be right. I would. That's right. That's what causes me to draw up. The weight of that is is big. astronomical. Listen, Mr. Rowland, we've run out of time today. We've got a little bit more to carry on this article. Perhaps we could pick up in the morning here with and finish up this, I think, in this book. Actually, we're just doing a little summary of the book of R.T. Kendall. And with it's an incredible concept and an incredible word by R.T. Kendall. He was very good friends with Jack Taylor. I did not ever know R.T., but I knew Jack very well for quite a few years. And he was also the pastor of Westminster Chapel in England. Exactly. For 25 years, I think it was. He was a pastor there. And so let's let's pick up on it again in the morning, Jeff, and we'll carry on with the same concept. Okay, my friend. Well, listen, you have a good day. I'll do it. You do the same. We'll talk to you tomorrow. God bless. Thank you for joining today's Smith & Rowland Show. You can check out our website at kingdompropheticsociety.org and our daily unplugged podcast at smithandrollinshow.podbean.com. You can also join us on Amazon, Apple, or Spotify.